delighted to have you in the podcast where all stories are welcome and the masks come off. Hi Shiva, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's such a pleasure to have you join me for a soul brew on Coffee and Soul. Thank you so much for making the time, Dhruv. Thank you so much for inviting me, Shiva. It's a pleasure to be here for sure. Lovely. I'm 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 really delighted to have you here, Dhruv. It's been a while and it's so good to reconnect. Yeah, same here after so many years. I mean, I uh, and isn't it like, you know, absolutely amazing that uh, our paths crossed in Levi so many years back and here we are reconnecting again. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's awesome, you know. Yeah, it's such interesting journeys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so what I'll, what, do you have your cup of coffee ready with you? Yes, I have as you uh, instructed and I didn't have to be because I'm always sitting in office with coffee. this one. <laughs> so cheers to that. Yeah, and here's uh, to life. <laughs> life and living through. Absolutely. Oh, yes. No coffee, no life. No coffee, no life. Correct. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> All right. Can I can I just ask you to hold that cup of coffee between your palms? Okay. And just sit back. Just sit back and relax. Yes, yes. It's nice and warm and it's nice cold here in Delhi. As yes, you know. exactly. <laughs> Not as cold as it was in Manali a few days ago. <laughs> oh, you were in Manali. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I just decided to work there for a few days. The pollution right. in Delhi was so True. adverse. Yeah. yeah. So I was working there for about a week or so. That must have been fabulous. Amazing, yeah. I was in this uh, room all day, you know, taking meetings with minus seven outside. <laughs> but it was, but it was great. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if so, if you hold this cup of coffee in your hands, and can I ask yeah. you to close your eyes and sit back? Yeah. Okay. And what comes up for you? What comes up for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What tranquility. Do tranquility and bliss. Yeah. What, yeah, what, yeah. what else? How tranquility and based on what you're seeing? Yeah, I'm pretty much at this moment in time in terms of what I'm feeling. I'm feeling quite quite tranquil. <laughs> with a cup of coffee in my hand and yeah. having an intelligent conversation with someone <laughs> like you, which is what I don't get all the time. <laughs> so yes, it's it's good. Yeah, it's it's nice to uh, connect and uh, it's nice to be in the moment. I Absolutely. I'm sure one hour later I'll be in some meeting and I, and I won't be tranquil anymore. Yeah, I, <laughs> it I, won't be. It'll be probably stormy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the kind of role that you have, Dhruv, absolutely. And that's possibly. And I promised to tell my I promised my team that I'll share this video with them. So they're going to be laughing and they just <laughs> <laughs> we don't know this bloke could be tranquil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, I, I hear you, tranquil and, and blissful. And I also noticed that lovely cup of coffee you're carrying. Uh, yeah, I kind of really liked it. It kind of appealed to me with the reindeer, with the Christmas uh, tree, I mean, with the fir trees. And, yeah, for the current season. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. did a pour over, did you not? Yes, yes. And my, my pour over is right here, as you can see. Yeah. The paraphernalia in office. So where, where did you pick this up? I picked it up uh, during my cycling journey in the US. I mean, in Canada, of course, I met a lot of fellow cyclists mm. who I was carrying a lot of green tea with me or I'd buy it on the way. I was still a tea drinker. Yeah. Not so yeah. much of a, I used to drink black coffee once in a while, but not an avid coffee drinker. And then uh, sort of uh, saw these guys making these concoctions early in the morning, you know, in the campground. A great ado and, uh, and a lot of passion and the coffee would really sort of energize them. And I did know that caffeine is great for cyclists. Right. 
So as I was touring through Alaska and Canada and the US and other countries in the cold, I realized that there was great coffee to be had here. Yeah. And once I entered Mexico, I had great coffee everywhere. I had all the famous Guatemalan, Nicaraguan, <laughs> Central American coffees, and then the Colombian coffee. So I, I sort of uh, savored all of them. Yes. And, uh, yes. I, I can, I think I've become quite a coffee flavor expert now. I can imagine and because you actually, you, you literally, you were there in the, in the areas that grow these coffees, right? Yes. And, yes. and. So uh, this brings me very nicely to the, uh, ne- to my next question, Jov. What what is this? What did you do, and what is how? What has been your journey? What led you to arrive at doing this expedition that you went on solo, cycling the Americas? Uh, well, well, Shiva. I mean, uh, as you know, I've been in corporate uh, life uh, almost. Uh, since uh, what 1992, 93, and I'd been almost 25 years at it, and I've kind of felt uh, a little out of perspective and a loss of purpose mm-hmm. sort of feeling used to come over me many often, mm-hmm. and I used to wonder what is the real purpose of my life, you know, and what should I be doing, and mm-hmm. how do I need to pivot to a new way of life, and I'd also taken up cycling a few years ago mm-hmm. in 2012, so you know, one day I was just sort of uh, glancing through. Uh, a biking magazine that I used to mm. uh, subscribe to, and I saw this uh, picture of this touring cyclist, uh, you know, heading into the Bolivian plateaus mm. uh, at a very high altitude, obviously. And that picture was just stunning, and I could just experience the sense of freedom that he must have been feeling at that moment in time. And I said, "This is what I need to feel," you know, the sense mm. of open spaces and freedom and a life in the outdoors mm-hmm. uh, for an extended period to really discover who I really am and what I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it was part, I would say, a search for a purpose, part burnout, part uh, wanting to seek freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, I combined that with my passion for cycling and I said, okay, let me explore a part of the world. At that point, when the idea got injected in my mind, I didn't even think that it would be year and a half I just thought maybe I'll just take a short trip for a couple of months and come Mm -hmm. back or three weeks or four weeks but what turned out was something very different and uh, this happened during a hiking trip in Alaska which I took for for 10 days Mm -hmm. and I just fell in love with that country with that wilderness Mm -hmm. with the remoteness of the place I said I've got to come back here and then sure enough I found myself mapping a route from Alaska down south to Mm -hmm. I said, first, I said, let me do North America. And then I said, why not the South of America as well? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the dreams just got bolder and bolder and said, why not the tip of the world? Start from the top and go to the bottommost part of the world, which is Ushuaia in Argentina. So that was the original dream. And 2016, after a lot of planning, uh, June 21st, I actually started out from a place called Dead Horse in Alaska, which is the northernmost point of the North American continent. Uh, it's where the road ends, actually. I, I so remember no reading land. about it, yes. So it's no man's land. I flew there with my bicycle. There is a small airport there because there are there's a massive oil field there. Mm. And uh, the Americans use it to ferry oil rig workers. Mm. So And people live in container homes over there. there mm. It's not really a city. It's just a town. It's a small community and township where oil rig workers work and they work on the platforms. Mm. So oil fields. So... I lived there for two, three days, got myself acclimatized and then started cycling south. So from the tip of North America down from Alaska into Canada, 
the remotest parts of the world you can think of. Wow. And then, of course, into a bit of civilization on the western coast of the U.S. and then back into the desert in Mexico and the mountains there. And Central America with all its rainforests and mm, volcanoes wow. and, mm. and great culture and, you know, very colorful. A year thing. and a half on the road? Yes, yes. A year and a half on the road with all my gear. And obviously, I was carrying everything that I had to live with, whether it was my tent or my sleeping bag, pots and small pots and pans here and there, a couple of them, stove for cooking food, yeah. uh, some clothes, that's it. Oh, about 40 good. kilos of gear, approximately, all the water that you need to carry, also sure. food, we're restocking on the way. That's amazing. And how, so this year and a half, I mean, yes, of course, for physical, physically arduous, I'm sure. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. What, yeah. Did it, what did it do for you? And you said that, you know, you're seeking freedom from, and that's kind of stayed in my mind right now when you said that. Did you find what you were seeking? freedom from? I mean, I found it in a different way. I discovered that I would be happy in the outdoors, number one. And number two, I discovered that there is a secret to the world that very few people stumble upon. And even if they do, nobody hears them because it frightens them to think that they could be another world. So uh, I'm going to try and explain it to you uh, in, this, Please in this conversation. I think when I was there in the wilderness in the Yukon and in Canada, and in Alaska and two, three days would go by when I would not even meet anyone or talk to anyone. Yeah. When you're cycling alone on the road and then through forests, it's a bit like a Lord of the Rings kind of a scenario. Yeah. If you can think of it like that. I can, yeah. You start imagining that there can be another world. I mean, and the world that's been created is basically some sort of a massive social experiment where everyone's living in cages in these cities. Mm -hmm. But we are actually born to be, to be in nature, to be wild and to be living freely. Uh, and not bound by the things that society expects us to do or structures for us from the day we are born. Mm. You know, so whether it's going to school or it's going to get a job after school or getting married, having children, and then getting old and dying. I think that's a process that's been laid out for centuries mm. by, by humanity. Mm. But when you really look back into the way the indigenous tribes live in those regions, Mm. Uh, they still follow a lot of practices that they used to follow for centuries. Mm. Of course, they're all modern now. They, they don't dress all the time in their traditional wear or they have yeah. modern careers and modern jobs. But in their heart, they still follow all the traditions and norms in their societies. Mm. And you find that they think very differently. They think about, man, about man's relationship with nature all the time. Mm. And nature for them is, and the land and the earth is inseparable from, mm. their, you know, from their future. Mm, and mm. the livelihood so that interconnectedness is missing completely in the world today and my biggest discovery was that that this is something which is uh, such a important truth but mm. we tend to sort of shy away from it mm. and uh, it's very important that we find a purpose somewhere in life where we detach ourselves a bit from all the things that we believe can give us happiness because the real happiness and joy and freedom actually lies in embracing nature and being gentle towards it. Absolutely, know? and towards so, each other. I think yeah. what, you, what you just said, Dhruv, uh, it's really like you touched the part of us which actually continues to be the hunter-gatherer, you know, the nomadic kind of... Exactly, and Shiva, I used to feel like a hunter-gatherer because all that I was obsessed with mm. during the day was 
where am i going to fill my water from and what what am i going to eat mm-hmm. my my needs got down to two things food mm-hmm. and water mm-hmm. and and uh, finding a place to sleep at night mm-hmm. i stop mm-hmm. worrying about you know things that pull us down sometimes mm-hmm. in our day to day lives mm-hmm. of course when you're on the road you can't compare it to leading a normal life you know it's, it's different yeah. yeah but what i'm trying to say is that life when it's down to basic needs mm-hmm. it can really become very simple Mm. we complicated mm. because we want to surround ourselves with material things and mm. assets and mm. acquiring them and therefore mm. the acquisition of assets and material things becomes the main purpose of our life though we may not admit it mm. but we all in jobs and we are all in doing things and doing things look, being busy mm. because we want to earn money and buy more things okay. or make ourselves uh, more comfortable but what i realized living on two pieces of two shirts two pieces of underwear mm. three pairs of socks over the year and a half mm. is that you need very little in life to survive mm. you know mm. i was living off the road mm. literally mm. and i was the happiest ever in my life yeah you know? yeah not because i didn't have to work i was working day in and day out i was pedaling yeah. furiously my I god planning, i was planning looking at maps seeing where i have to sleep you know strategizing uh, it was just wasn't you know like a walk in the park you know it's hard work you know yeah i i just want to come in here and tell, you know and and completely resonate with what you're saying because we in our societies tend to think of work is equal to pay so that which pays is work and otherwise it's not work which is yeah. so true you know yes. work in itself is neutral it's yeah. work payment is something that you know i'm so yeah go ahead go ahead so i'm totally yeah, yeah. so it's i mean it's it's difficult for anyone to fathom that and yeah. and it's, it's not easy uh, i mean i myself came back you know to fulfill a certain to to fill a certain in, uh, quest for income maybe yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. but yes uh, ideally speaking so i am of course there myself a little bit mm. but i haven't forgotten the lessons of the journey sure and sure. i will go back and revisit those lessons and remind myself that i need to you know uh, sort of imbibe that again and mm. i'm on that journey again you know sure. so in my own small way uh, to try and see that those lessons are never lost absolutely and uh, you've written and, another book right yes it's called away yeah. so i wrote away during the lockdown i think it okay. was sometime in may okay it's a collection of short stories which is like a prequel to grid grabnin gear and a sequel to that okay uh, grid grabnin gear straddles in the middle but it sort of away is about six seven adventure stories where it i actually try to chronicle how i got into cycling Mm. and what all adventures led me to it and then post my coming back how i continued to, to go on those adventures in spite of the fact that i had a full time job so away is supposed to signify being away from a normal life uh, away finding your freedom yeah you know and we can it's it was just written with a hope because everyone was caged in yeah. for so many months yeah. especially in delhi we had a very harsh lockdown yeah. for a very long time and i wrote it because i wanted to inspire people to say okay i can get away to the mountains i can even bike i can run i can walk i can mm. hike mm. but i need to get away and my job should not be an excuse not to do this for myself mm. so get away to find your freedom that was the primary core message behind the book it's a very short book it's not very big i'd love it's to read a, it i'm looking for a big one like grit gravel and gear grit it's, gravel and gear was big <laughs> i, I took me a year to write it this yeah, one i just sure. in 30 days yeah right right yeah so you know so it's yeah. uh, seven short stories of different adventures in the himalayas Lovely. and two in two in alaska so 
are trying to inspire people to sort of do their own thing and find their tune with nature actually that's really really important that is so beautiful so as you continue to reflect on your journey can you talk to me about some of your highs your defining moments some of your lows whatever you can share you know you don't I have to many highs and very few lows actually and uh, my highs were you know basically the stunning landscapes in alaska in canada in mexico so i'm coming in here not necessarily of this journey i mean mm. in life per se not not in your expedition yeah in life there have been so many i mean life has been like uh, a mountain range you know up and down you go up a mountain you come down to the pass and you climb all the way again yeah. so my journey has been uh, has not been smooth for me it's been actually uh, it's a struggle and i felt that challenges were constantly thrown at me and i had to keep overcoming them it was almost like playing a video game where then the the, <laughs> the, the, the levels keep increasing <laughs> it's getting easier okay and sometimes you fall with a third and you get up again and you and you rise again so i would possibly characterize my life as a life of having to fall and rise again and again and again and i become used to that rhythm now shiva so mm. and it's fun so when people ask me what was your biggest learning from the journey i say just struggle uh just embrace struggle and hardship in life and you'll be fine if you make friends with it it's going to be okay and you'll stop using the word struggle and hardship you'll just see it as a part of life you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's the way i see it and the journey became a metaphor for life itself because i would summit a mountain my backside would be sore my legs would be hurting mm. the sun would be really down beating hard on me and i would mm. say like i can't go another range mm. but i still had to cross the mountain because i still had to get to a particular place where there would be water mm. otherwise i would be stuck in the middle of the desert mm. so i had to climb the mountain go down to the town into the pass uh, beyond the pass in the valley right and then climb the next morning again another mountain to yes. go down to the town in the next valley yes. <laughs> so you know this was like up and up and down but it was happening on a daily basis that life does it to us over a period of time you know yeah. 20 yeah. years 25 years 30 years so it's like a metaphor for life you know it's yeah. going to be up and down and it's been like that for me and i guess it's like that for everyone yeah it's just that the scale of it varies from person to person absolutely and and, and particularly yeah. if you think of yourself as living in an accelerated lifetime and you kind of the growth is like a spiral right i mean yes. it may be up and down but actually you're moving up without yes. so i think that's that's what i'm hearing and i think that is that is really beautiful joke yes and, and shiba i have i have lived a very very high pressure job you know uh, i've uh, worked for many brands i've launched many brands and that's a high pressure sales job for sure you know yeah. whether it was with the uh, levis itself you know launching levis then launching dockers and then prior yeah. to that you know i launched scotch bright and posted notes in india and then after that i launched uh, disney for weekend and then again i launched another brand after that so you know i've been in this strange spot where i've been launching things and launching companies and that that's taken from a sales guy's perspective took a lot of me you know from leading a large teams and uh, dealing in high pressure situations and leading a very stressful life all the time mm-hmm. so i think i found cycling as a great and running mm-hmm. and hiking as as great i would say relievers of stress mm-hmm. and uh, sort of a way to reconnect back to myself and come back energized to you know my job and to my team who would expect me to lead them with a certain amount of uh, dexterity and strength and you know in certain sense of direction 
so yeah i, I mean it's not been easy sure. both at the personal level and the professional level but that's un- nothing unusual a lot of us go through it sure sure almost everyone yeah i, I guess how you roll with the punches is how it happens yes yes you got to roll with the punch take it you know fall down and get up again and mm. And keep, keep punching and, get, and keep getting punched back and keep <laughs> punching back and <laughs> getting on with it one match after the other is there anything you feel you could have done differently through in your life i don't mean yeah. it in terms of regrets i'm just saying yeah so, yeah i think i i think i should uh, have sort of when i came back from my journey i should have okay let me look at it and say it slightly differently uh, i think i should have sort of uh, continued my journey for some more time okay, okay. it's not a regret but uh, it's something that was unfinished business and i should have sort of found a way to be able to contribute more more uh, creatively and proactively to some of the things that i believed in okay so one was climate change the other was environment protection uh, the third was fighting for the rights of the indigenous people in the world so these are all causes which are there in my mind which i want to sort of devote my life to and i feel that i should have spent more time getting into that and developing a greater understanding of those issues uh, at a far deeper level than what it is today and uh, i'm sure i'll do it one day but right now it's something that i it's not a regret but it's something i would have liked to do differently i, I would not have liked to come back immediately to the world that i'm in today maybe later i could have done it later i think it was a bit premature I think was there like, some dissonance did you did you feel a lot of dissonance or did you smoothly connect back bro how was it for you it was a massive dissonance because mm-hmm. uh, i felt it at the spiritual level at the physical level because i came back from peru straight to delhi pollution almost killed me i think the first 6 months dealing with delhi by itself as a crowded city was still okay i could deal mm-hmm. with it it was not a problem mm-hmm. i think it was the pollution that played havoc with my with my biological mm-hmm. setup and mm-hmm. i had a massive issue uh, settling back again i couldn't breathe most nights i had problems with that uh, i couldn't cycle for 3 4 months 5 months mm-hmm. because uh, i knew that if i went out i'd develop some some issue or the other because mm-hmm. my lungs were just not prepared mm-hmm. for that beating that they were getting mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but then after 5 or 6 months i guess they got used to the air mm-hmm. once again and then i was fine but for the first 5 6 months it was pretty bad so i turned that energy to writing the book you know right. so Right. I I spent that time where I couldn't do much. Mm. Uh, I didn't have a job. Mm. Physically, I was not feeling that great because mm. of the air and stuff like that. So mm. I devoted all my energy to writing the book. I spent six months post coming back, writing it, finishing it, getting it edited, published. Mm. So that way, it was time well spent. But mm. yes, the dissonance with life, a crowded city, mm. and different attitudes and different culture mm. all over again, uh, including the diet, were very different. So mm. I got used to a very oilless saltless diet <laughs> you know not not bland yeah, but food but food is prepared differently in mm. different parts of the world so getting used to the spices and the oils again was a big challenge <laughs> once yeah again. yeah and that's at the physical level but i'm sure there were many other things that like you said yeah. the culture and... yeah the spiritual level also you know it was mm. very difficult to sort of uh, people wanted to know about the journey but then when i would tell them stories like the way i'm telling you some of them thought i was cuckoo <laughs> you know it's beyond said, reference points through beyond reference points like you rightly said and yeah. I, i don't sort of have a problem with that it's just that i tried my best of course to, 
but but i cannot articulate uh, the feeling of sleeping alone in a forest under a under 1000 year old trees yeah you know I can imagine till you don't do it yourself alone <laughs> you can't experience you know uh, awesome, what you awesome yeah. i mean that's all i can say it's uh, no one can know it no one can know it like you know it you're totally right that you know you have to actually be there to, yes, to, yes. to go the hallucinations that. you get the dreams you get sleeping in ancient forests it's it's everything that you read in and see in movies really it's, it's that true and is that eerie Uh, really it's, yeah it's just incredible it's so so what, what you you do get those kinds of uh, i oh think psychedelic you dreams yeah. uh, strange yeah. dreams which are which you never get in a city ever but you sleep in an ancient forest alone in the night oh my god yeah the the hallucinations you have it's almost as if the forest has just entered your your being and is talking to you oh it's just incredible <laughs> well this is my goosebump moment with you <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> wow that is amazing did you ever feel, one is of course the joy of it all and you know the yes. the of, of being alone with all this and yet not an, alone totally connected is what i'm hearing but did you ever feel the lack of not having someone with you to share it did that ever come up but most of your journey you were alone most of my journey i was alone i had a cyclist who would join me for a week or so once in a while Mm-hmm. uh but that also very very less uh just two three times that happened maybe uh there was there were a couple from texas who were good friends and mm-hmm. now good friends now and we we met twice on the journey and just mm-hmm. stuck to each other for about a couple of weeks each time yeah. but beyond that i had really had no company so i was mostly alone and i didn't sort of miss having anyone I, mean, i was happy mm-hmm. i was happy with my aloneness mm-hmm. uh and even from a practical point of view a lot of the other cyclists on the road were experienced touring cyclists mm. from europe or from the americas they had been cycling for almost the entire life right. they were yeah. they were uh, really good touring mm. uh, they would move much faster than me mm. uh, and i realized and they were not the type who had the same passion for things like photography mm. and uh, historical culture that i was seeking so mm. our paths would never really follow the same route mm. whereas mm. my route would take me sometimes back into cities into seeing museums and archaeological mm. excavations and things like that of the maya or the inca mm. whereas many of them would just want to go into the villages you know? right right but right. from for me from that perspective i'm already from india i know what villages <laughs> look like you know correct correct I mean, you know I, i know what that life is all about and i experienced the same kind of villages there as well right but for right. me of greater interest was the landscape photography stopping right. taking pictures taking my time over a place over a right. spot right. which right. they would find uh, they would get impatient with right right okay? i knew they would yeah. and the other part is of course you know going into towns a lot of touring cyclists don't like going into town yeah Yeah, yeah yeah but yeah. Uh, i wanted to because i wanted to experience the local museum the local mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. what people do and stuff like that so mm-hmm. uh, a journey would be very different so sure. i was quite happy being alone because it gave me time and space to explore those countries in my own pace yes yes that's uh, that's amazing you've already talked to me about your metaphor for life which is which is which is what you've lived through and 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 what you shared um if i was to ask you now dhruv some of the things that you talked about was about doing this to inspire others so what is your your unique legacy to humankind and 
each one of us has something special to bring, which nobody else brings. Mm. And we add to the tapestry our own special thread. What is yours? I'm not sure what my legacy is, but ever since I've come back, I've been trying uh, a lot to convey a love for the outdoors, love for animals, a love for the indigenous peoples in the world through my book, through my writings, and through all the talks that I've given so far. Mm. Uh, when I left uh, in 2016, there were there was barely any anyone who was really touring on a bicycle in India. Mm. Today, I see uh, hundreds of uh, people who are buying equipment to go and tour on their own, shorter trips, maybe, you know, Kashmir mm. to Kanyakumari or mm. Bombay to Delhi, or, mm. you know, mm. those are still more road bike kind of trips. Right, but right. many people are actually packing up their bikes and going and exploring the country, which was not the case five years back. Yeah. So I think in some small way, uh, I could have been instrumental in catalyzing uh, through my posts and through my through the you know grapevine about what I'm doing, uh, many people would have started found the courage to say it's possible and started doing that. Absolutely. Uh, and of course the others. So maybe somebody joined and then somebody that person inspired somebody else. So it became yes. like a cascading effect, right? Snowball. So, yeah. So that's I think that's one part. The, the the second part is that you know I I talk a lot about grit to people, especially uh, at work. Uh, with other people as well that how important the function of grit is in your life how important it is to sort of be focused and very very detail oriented in whatever you do so that's the kind of uh, why we used to talk about it earlier but now I have live examples to share with people and bring that uh, credibility to the conversation uh, at work so I see that that style of leadership kind of disseminating down to uh, the other senior leaders in the organization who do understand now the importance of micro leadership mm. of uh, you know going beyond their potential what they believe is their potential mm. their potential mm. is much more and they can do much more mm. uh, not just as professionals but as people in their personal lives they can try to aspire for more sure, sure. and yes i think uh, hundreds of people have been inspired to take up cycling uh, after me you know and it's so true and so many people have told me through I took up cycling because of yeah, you and I feel so happy you know yeah. uh, boss I just started cycling a few girls also yeah. boss I started cycling like you know 20 kilometers today I did my first bike ride thanks to you so I keep getting these messages from people uh, on and off and that's really heartwarming that's fabulous you know and I'm very very inspired so I want to get onto that cycle I've done a little bit of cycling but not the way you have and def- definitely not. I don't even know whether I ever will. Do, do it when you're back in Pondicherry. <laughs> Pondicherry to Chennai and back. I know that. Yes, that is possible. But, you know, even here, one, one can pick up and look at who are the like-minded people and just pick up something. Yeah, not the safest of places to cycle at the not moment. Really. Yeah, the way it is. <laughs> not really. It's yeah. hazardous air today. So. I know. I know. It's, it's every, what do we do? We live it's not this. safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But having said that, you have been a source of inspiration for many. And I hope you continue to do that, Dhruv, because uh, uh, when you talk about the indigenous people, you look at the tribes. I mean, there is so much here in India itself, no? When you look yes. at the tribes here, which are not included oftentimes into even a, a vocabulary around it. No, they're not. And yeah. uh, the word indigenous doesn't exist really in India. Correct. Uh, we use Correct. tribe, the word tribe, which is fine. But the issue yeah. is that their issues are not seen as live issues i think right. a lot of people uh, think that the tribals are backward people right. uh, they don't wear clothes they live in jungles 
they don't have a culture they need to be educated for example i read an article on uh, some uh, there's a residential boarding school somewhere in our country i think it's in odisha where girls are sent to study from the adivasi uh, community and you know the thing that i sort of struck me which that article didn't strike me earlier but when i came back you see what happened in in the 50s and 60s was the canadian government took away children mm. and put them into boarding schools mm. the, the indigenous tribes you know? yes the first people and yeah the first people first nations people mm. and those they they sort of could even choose the name mm. they were given english names they were mm. given an english education western style education they were given western clothes to wear mm. they lost mm. touch with their language the language is not a written language mm. so it was mm. a spoken language so when they mm. came back they didn't know the language at all so as a result there's been a whole generation of first nations people mm-hmm. in the middle who don't know the language don't know mm-hmm. the culture don't know the tradition and mm-hmm. you see the same thing happening in our country when the name of education progress we are taking away ancient knowledge mm-hmm. and ancient cultures and customs and traditions away from those people mm-hmm. and forcing them to wear a westernized uniform clothing mm-hmm. in school and mm-hmm. class where they forget to even wear what they were wearing absolutely uh, back in the villages you know mm-hmm. they lose the original costume the original traditional dresses which is a pity because it's so much a part of the fabric of human kind mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. you you will lose the soul and a sense of mankind absolutely if you if you cut away the last the bridge we have to our ancestors you know we'll be a soulless planet exactly exactly and there is so much work to be done on this area so much in terms of bringing it to awareness getting getting out getting tribes around it you know the uh, yeah, our tribes yeah. around it to be able to talk you know, about there are forestry issues there are land issues yeah. people think we are giving education and westernizing them you're giving them progress it's not that you can have a balance of both you can educate and you can help people design programs to uh, keep them uh, deep rooted in their customs and traditions at least some of them and who are we to say what is backward and what is progressive I mean, exactly we exactly. can't be judgmental about it exactly so yeah. what else what what else would you like to say you know we are coming pretty much to the close of our conversation and what else i think it's just all i want to say is and you know to anyone who's hearing this program or seeing it is that find your freedom i think uh, find your space to recreate yourself and really be who you are and uh, perhaps don't it's scary it's a scary journey but once you get past the first step and the second step the steps after that on your journey are fairly easy uh, and they come the universe opens up for you and gives you all the guidance you need to be on that journey so find your purpose find your and the purpose can keep changing but find your purpose find your freedom i would say spend more time with nature and protect it and be gentle with it and and find a voice to talk about it even if you can't do much about it politically or mm. you know you don't have to go for a mass protest if you don't feel comfortable but mm. can you please talk about it and put pressure mm. through various social media to bring awareness about love for animals love for nature and you know try and be have be a softer gentle human being lovely thank you so much so it's been an absolute delight to talk to you and thank you shiva you know, just spend this it's time been together absolutely wonderful speaking to you thank you for all your wonderful questions because sometimes the questions make all the difference <laughs> it's my pleasure it totally yeah. has been and all the very best as you journey thank on you. with thank all you, the shiva. things that you want to continue to do thank all you i wish you the same thank
Thank you, sir. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and have a, yeah. I hope 2021 is fabulous for you and for all of us now. 2020 was fabulous. Uh, uh, it depends how you look at it. I learned so much out of this crisis. Yeah. Yeah. So it shows up things about you that you didn't know existed. So that's so true. All of us. So yes, yeah. you have a lot to be grateful to the universe for. Yeah. Yeah. And survived. on that note, yes, and we survived, and and, and how, with what yes. spirit? I think that is. Amazing. Yes, yeah. correct, yeah. absolutely. You take care, Dhruv. Yeah. Thank you, Shiva. All Thank the best. Thank you for your time and attention, and for being a part of Soul Brews with Shiva. Until next week, keep the coffee swirling. <laughs>